Hello, and welcome back to Resonant Reels, the podcast where we talk about movies and television in an audio-like lens. I'm Chandler. I'm Adam. And we got another bangin', breaking bad episode for y'all today. We're talking episodes five through seven of season three. It was nice watching these episodes. It was like... We calmed down a little bit, I felt like. Yes, and then immediately no. But like, (laughs) yes. (laughs) There was a lot more breathing room. Yeah, a lot more breathing room. Like, I mean, we had like a, I dare say, more mellow episode for what Breaking Bad is. Let's be clear. Like, I feel like mellow in Breaking Bad is different than like a normal mellow. Like, it was like, yes, not too high stakes and adrenaline pushing. It was like, we're here. Everything's okay. We're going to get through this. Everyone's still got their problems, and we're going to sit with those problems. <laughs> yep. Yes. This was the this was the um the incubate uh in the design process world. Uh the incubate period. Uh <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. All right. So, to start us off, we got episode 5, Moss, Spanish for more. Hint hint, wink wink. Written by Moira Wally Beckett and directed by Johan Renk. I'll let Adam take it away. Yeah, well, because so one of the things is, didn't we just have an episode in the last badge called Nomas? Yeah. Yes. Okay. See, I'm paying attention to titles now. Uh, now that I missed that fucking clue that wrecked my life. Yeah. the The season premiere was Nomas, and that was like. Everyone saying no to a bunch of things, like Walt saying no to getting back into the drug trade, and you know Skyler saying no, I'm not living this kind of life with you anymore. You know, a lot of people saying no. Yeah, so it makes sense that in this this episode, there's it's not necessarily that a lot of people are saying yes; it's just that a lot of people aren't saying no. So, all right. So, starting off with our teaser, uh, we find out how. Jesse got the RV, which was a fun little moment. So we got a scene um, with Walt with all his hair back and early on into their relationship, Walt gave Jesse like seven grand to go get an RV. And instead, Jesse went to a strip club with Skinny Pete and Combo, just started like going on an absolute bender. And then in the morning, Jesse realizes he has less than I think uh, he had 1400 bucks left out of the seven grand. He and Combo's like, I can get you an RV. And Jesse's like, you can get me an RV at six o'clock in the morning right now for $1,400. Combo's like, yeah, come on. And like, it was just kind of like a sweet moment where I was like, oh, okay. Like, Combo's like, I got you, dude. Why are you pressed? It was so good to see Combo again. It was. And to actually like have a character from Combo made the fact that he's not around anymore even more depressing. Basically, Combo and and Jesse wind up at this house. Combo comes out from the house, gives Jesse the keys. He's like, there you go. Jesse's like, sick hands over the 1400 he's like do i need to sign anything and he's like this is a no paperwork type of deal and then there's like some rustling from in the house and combo's like you better get the fuck out of here uh like right now so then they leave so we can assume that it was stolen uh but we can also assume that the stakes of where they were stealing it from were not necessarily very high which we find out more later that was a fun scene of just strippers and druggies basically was what the teaser was which kind of set a very relaxed tone uh, for the episode so the 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 chunk of of what this episode is starts and we have skylar and ted are still having it's no longer an affair i suppose so they're still having their relationship whatever that is and the thing that I was honestly very confused for a second, but Skylar like is just standing and she's like, wow, this feels amazing. And I'm like standing. And then I realized <laughs> <laughs> and then I realized that the whole thing was that he had a heated bathroom floor. And so I, it took me a second to catch on. It just adds another another layer of I think I broke Chandler. Um, it adds another layer of like how much money Ted has. Like it's he literally has a luxury home that his tile floor in the bathroom is heated. 
And through some conversation, Ted also drops to Skylar that she is welcome to like keep anything at the house that she would like to. And I think that gives us some clarity into what's been going on with their relationship because obviously this like relationship has continued throughout all of this, but like Skylar is still hesitating to like break certain barriers and Ted seems more than okay and ready for her to break those barriers. Right. It's like Skylar like knows she's she's coming she's starting to come to the realization that she's like truly just doing this spite thing against Walt and doesn't care about Ted in any way and she's like realizing she's like now really oddly stuck in this position of like doesn't want to deal with the true complexity of this relationship she's made with Ted because ultimately she just wants Walt to be who he was, which is not going to happen. Correct. So when Skylar uh, gets home, she asks Walt Jr. to go call like his dad for dinner. And so he goes and knocks on the baby's room and Walt is like huddled with the closet door shut in the baby's room and like opens it. He's like, yep, be out. In a second. And I'm like, why the fuck is Walt in the closet? Uh, so then he like closes it and he's on the phone and he's talking with Jesse, who's Jesse is in Saul's office pacing. And basically, Walt is just like, I did not make any sort of deal with Gus like behind your back because Jesse's still pissed about this half of the money that got thrown into Walt's car. And Uh, He's like, you owe me that money. Like, that's my half. And basically accusing Walt of doing bad business. But Walt counters back, as he should, that it is his formula and he never gave Jesse permission to use it. So even though Walt is like, I didn't do business behind your back, behind your back, he's kind of keeping the money out of spite uh, because Jesse is making this such a big deal. And Jesse honestly did steal like that meth formula from Walt. So... Again, we're back to their kind of beginning relationship. They're very, very toxic for each other, clearly. Then we get Hank and Gomez at a stakeout because they are looking for this RV because, uh, they, you know, after everything, they have now realized like, okay, this is the type of RV we're, we're looking for because of this moving meth lab, like to... to I don't know. I don't know if it's been as long for everybody else before watching these episodes. Probably not. But for me, I'm just reminding the people who maybe were like me and took a little bit of a pause in between these episodes. And that he's down to like his last few, really, like ch- like finding them, surveilling them, whatever. He goes to like check out the the van and it's all locked up and he doesn't want to give up. And Gomez is like, hey, we should have a warrant. And Hank's like, nah, I'm good. And he climbs to the top of the (laughs) RV. And there is like just these two grandpa, grandma aged individuals in their underwear playing cards. He like creaks because of course he does because it's television accidentally creaks like the top of the RV. And the woman looks up and like screams and then like Hank and Gomez have to like appease them. And like, it's like a whole thing where it's clearly everybody's so embarrassed. Hank is trying to be like, I was with the DA. Like we're trying to follow these leads, blah, 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 whatever. And Hank says that he needs to like follow a couple more things. So like, come on, Gomez. And Gomez is like, I can't, I need to pack. And we find out that Gomez has now been offered the position in El Paso and that he took it. And so Hank has to immediately put on like a face of being like cool, calm, collected, chill, happy, all those things. But you can tell he is fucked up. And when he gets home, he like completely ignores Marie and he's in the shower and Marie's like trying to get him to talk to him and he just, or trying to get him to talk to her and he just won't open up. And ultimately like she even leads him to like, hey, it's understandable with everything that happened in El Paso if you're like not okay. And Hank blows up. He starts screaming. He he honestly is incredibly like verbally abusive in that moment. And Marie just walks out, um, which I was like, good for you because you don't need to get verbally abused by your 
traumatized husband who refuses to seek help. Yeah, it, it's it's really sad seeing Hank still struggling so much with this lingering PTSD he has from El Paso. And he's just like making the problem worse for himself because he's not trying he's not reaching out to anyone for support. Like he's he's keeping it so bottled up because like I, I can't imagine what's going through his mind. Part of it is like he feels like he doesn't want to burden anyone else, but also he feels like he can work through it by himself. Like there's definitely that like stubbornness of like, I can do this on my own. This is my problem and not anyone else's. And it's it's becoming toxic in how it's affecting everyone around him more so. Like his friendship with like Gomez isn't great. And like we see it's rocky between them. Yeah, it's it's not what it was at all. So Hank's excuse is basically that he is committed to this Heisenberg investigation. And that's the only reason he's staying in Albuquerque. Meanwhile, Walt goes to visit Gus and basically is like, I know your game and calls Gus out exactly, exactly what Gus's plan was, which like was to get Walt riled up enough to like cook again. And Gus apologizes for being, quote, so transparent, which I thought was very funny. I love Gus as a character. Perfectly just straight-faced, deadpan, like I'm going to say what it is. Asks Walt to take a drive with him, and Walt agrees. And they go to this industrial laundry facility, and Gus has made uh, Walt a just insane lab to cook in and explains how like any release of chemicals and steam all go through the exact same process they're clean they're odorless and they go out the same shoots as like the laundry steam and everything and everything's new it's state of the art like it's a super lab like it's epic um walt you know is clearly interested in everything going on but says uh, a no again says no And he has this really beautiful kind of like very short monologue about how he has made so many bad decisions and like it's led to him just making more and more bad decisions and that he can't say yes to another bad decision. Gus basically retorts and is like, anything you did for your family means like inherently makes it not a bad decision. Gus says the words, a man provides... And he does it even when he's not appreciated or respected or even loved because he's a man. And I was like, this is a manipulative Gus and I love it. He preyed upon all of Walt's insecurities in a gentle way that showed respect. And that's all Walt has ever wanted. Walt has wanted to be seen as a provider and he's been wanted to be respected and gus did that in that moment and i thought that was so fucking clever it's so evil it's so evil it's evil but i'm like i'm rooting for it and it's this lab is crazy too and and gus is like i want 200 pounds a week of oh yeah that was the deal 200 pounds a week of meth you can set your own hours um as and and he said because that's how much I would need to sell to make this what he's economical. He knows Walt so well at this point, it seems like. And and it's just like, how does he? And it's just like, he is just a mastermind. Like Gus, what we're learning is this genius mastermind who knows how to be so clever to help his business prosper. It's it's crazy. It's so cool. While that was going on, we had a scene of... um, Marie calling Skylar, kind of expressing her worry about Hank and how he won't talk to anybody and all of this stuff. You know, she says, I can only imagine like what a brush with death, how how a brush with death would cause somebody to change. And she says, I'm sure you can relate with Walt. And that got Skylar to just like start thinking. And we and we saw that across, you know, her face. And it it directly pops up whatever she has going on in her mind because the next time she's standing in the bathroom at Ted's house after they've clearly just boned again because that's all they apparently ever do, she 
clearly is now uncomfortable. The heated floor, she keeps like stepping, um, like doing little steps to like avoid it. And eventually she actually puts a towel down on the floor to stand on the towel. That like was very interesting um, that that was chosen to be done. Cause like, meanwhile, you literally have Ted being like, oh, why don't like, is why don't we go get some Thai food? Like, is that in the cards? And she's like, oh, I have to, like, I have to get home, blah, blah, blah. There, uh, so she she's home now and she's with Walt and Flynn slash Walt Jr., whatever he wants to be called this week of episodes. Like Walt Jr. excuses himself and then it's just Walt and Skylar and uh, the baby starts crying, Holly. Holly starts crying and instinctually Skylar goes to like deal with her, but she like sees Walt like looking like he really wanted to comfort her, but like knows his place essentially now. And Skylar asks like Walt if he wants to comfort the baby. And he is like clearly so happy because that was literally like a that was literally like a, a show of uh like amicability that hasn't that hasn't been there before. What I also thought was interesting was the choice uh to have the baby stop crying when Walt picked her up, showing that you know, I think we often see like when bad people hold children, they continue to cry. We have Walt who is not making good choices at all. His daughter is still going to be like comforted by him. And like after Walt goes and picks up the baby, Skylar just leaves the room. Right. And like, so Walt, after he's like comforting Holly, we see this like new love and joy return to Walt. He turns around and Skylar's just gone and we're still like it's still not great between them and it's like a bridge is trying to be started to try to be rebuilt but like it's gonna be a long time so then we've got hank at the office and there's a party for gomez that's happening in the other room and hank is sitting in his office in the dark uh going through a list from the dmv with uh all of these like rvs that of our this make and model and color and everything and we watch as he crosses off like the last one on the list and he asks his secretary to like check again and she's literally holding a cake trying to go bring a cake into gomez's party she's like can i do it after the party and he's like i'm kind of dead in the water here and she's like Okay, so she goes, as she goes, Hank goes over to tell, like, Gomez farewell, basically, and tries to, like, put on a face and be happy or whatever. He hands him, and I had to look up what this was, because I I kind of didn't understand it, but it's a little statuette and it is it it looked like a saint like it looked like a religious item and that's because it was it's the patron saint of drug dealers you know it was supposed to be sort of again between gomez and hank kind of this amicable peace offering sort of thing that was happening between the two of them as that happened hank's secretary came came back and was like hey actually you were right there's one more RV. And I was like, of course, there's one more RV. And it's going to be the one he's looking for, obviously. Um, but she says that the registration wasn't renewed, but it wasn't reported as non-operational, destroyed, or stolen. So he was like, well, clearly, that's the RV that I'm looking for. And then we cut back to the white residence. And Skylar sees, like, he has this, like, stare down with Walt's money duffel in the closet and eventually she like pulls it down opens it just like flips through the cash but doesn't like do anything with it and then when she's meeting with her divorce lawyer she like a tells the divorce lawyer that walt knows about her affair with ted and b about all the cash and skylar's lawyer seems honestly kind of like fed up with her at this point I thought that was interesting as like a plot point to have like a th- this lawyer is now getting kind of like just frustrated. Well, because like Skylar's using her as like a therapist. Therapist, now. and that's what I was gonna say. The, the the lawyer has a line of like, "I am half as qualified and twice as expensive as a as a therapist," and it's like, "What do you need permission to like use the drug money?" Or like, she's like, "You will become an accessory after the fact if you do not leave Walt." That obviously like flags, obviously who wouldn't have like a flag go off when they hear that, but she still isn't 
like, I don't know. It doesn't seem like she's committed to this process as much as she was when she first met with the divorce lawyer. It seems like she's just starting to back off. As soon as she gets home, she finds these signed divorce papers from Walt in the crib of Holly and all of his stuff is gone and the money. She clearly, Skylar is like, super confused because now she has what she has wanted this whole time and she has no idea how to react to it because she wanted him gone and she wanted him to sign the papers and now he's done both of those things and she's kind of like she seems stuck now and obviously she was alone so he didn't have any dialogue or anything to happen there but um the actress did a really wonderful job at conveying all of that in the moment so then we've got jesse in Saul's office, and he is like just pissed. He is off the rails angry. And Saul's like, listen, what are the like terms of your sobriety? Because I would love to give you any of the pills I have, like in this drawer, basically, because Jesse just like will not calm the fuck down. When Walt gets there, Jesse's like, You're late, whatever. So there's these negotiation proceedings happening, which is basically like Saul is offering Walt 10% of any of the earnings that Jesse gets from the future for like selling the meth that is Walt's formula. And Jesse makes a comment about how like, yeah, you get 10% for sitting on your fat ass and doing nothing or whatever. Saul is like, please stop talking. Like you're literally escalating the situation. Walt basically like turns over the other half of the money. So like gladly, like no if, ands, or buts, just literally throws it on the table. But he does say that it's the last money he's ever going to get. Um, And that's why he was so willing to hand it over because he said that, and Jesse puts it together, like, are you cooking again? And Walt is basically like, yeah, I, I'm going to make $3 million for three months of my time uh, with Gus. Saul immediately just starts trying to client Walt, which I was like, ah, oh, love Saul Goodman. And he's like, listen, listen, listen. What did we say like before? Like 17%? What about 15? And Walt's like, five. And he's like, 14, 14, five. And then he was like, you know, I, I can't go any lower than 10 without, you know, be insulting myself. And Walt was like, five. And so I was like, okay, five. And like, <laughs> and then Jesse gets pissed because Jesse's like, you're supposed to be my lawyer. And so I was like, hey, rule of business, go with the winner, basically. And uh, that money negotiation is for the laundering of the 3 million, because obviously it's going to have to get laundered. And Jesse storms out and then throws a giant, like, brick it's like a chunk of concrete i think but into walt's car windshield and so things are still not good there shocking our episode ends with um a nice little kind of round out of combo storyline in that hank goes to visit the house that we saw in the teaser where the rv was the woman who answers the door is a mrs ortega and he's speaking to her and in talking to her finds out that her son is uh, Christian Ortega, street name Combo, and that she did not ever report the RV stolen because she did not want to have her son go to jail. And she said that he was a good boy who was in with the wrong crowd and he had some bad friends and she wanted to spare him. And Hank is like, well, can I talk to him? And she's like, he passed away two months ago. He was shot. So that gave us also a time frame, which I thought was was good. She allows him into the house and Hank's like looking around Combo's bedroom. And what does he find? He finds a picture from that night at the strip club from the teaser of Combo and Jesse. Hank knows Jesse. And so now now he's being able to start putting some pieces together and he is one step closer to finding Heisenberg. It's It all starts kicking up again at the end of the episode, but it's like, it was nice to have a mellow episode, more or less, of just these people stuck in their problems, but Walt choosing to go back in. He got manipulated, coerced, maybe not necessarily coerced, persuaded, very cleverly persuaded back in by Gus. And then we just immediately go into our next episode, Sunset, which is both written and directed by John Chabon. Our teaser in this one 
is we are on a native reservation and a tribal officer has a phone call. Someone who clearly is like from dispatch or something was like, hey, can you go check on this particular woman? I forget what her name was. Her daughter called from California, so she hasn't like heard from her in a while, whatever. So he goes out and he's investigating the property. And in doing so, he finds her body due to some flies, which was disgusting, um, outside. But he knows that somebody's in the house. He tries to, he, you know, pulls out a gun. He does call for backup. He, you know, he's like, come out of the house with your hands up, whatever. And who is it? But one of our uh, two twins, one of the Salamanca nephews. Cousins. Cousins. Sorry. Sorry. The cousins. Yes. Uh, well, the, the two of them are brothers, twin brothers. But yes, it's one of the cousins. That's true. They're just known as the cousins. That's their cartel name. Yes. Sure. Sure. And he won't turn around. And then in the distance, you see the other brother, the other cousin, start walking towards the police officer with the infamous silver axe in his hands, literally slaughters the dude with the axe uh, while he's trying to, like, get the other guy to kneel on the ground. Um, So that was crazy. And how the episode started, which tells me that the cousins are back. We have Skylar and Walt are talking on the phone and... She's like, you signed the divorce papers. And she's like, but you listed all of these things that you would cover under child support. And he's like, correct. And and she's like, you're not using drug money. And he's basically like, how do you think we've paid the bills for the last six months? And then he hangs up the phone because he's looking at apartments. And he's in the model of the apartment, which is interesting. And he's like, I'll take it. And the dude's like, um, this is the model. And Walt's like, name one thing in this world that's not negotiable, which was a Epic line. Such a good line. He, We, you know, find out later when we return to this. He does indeed. He's renting the furnished condo model. Um, So he did it. Then we've got the cousins just being ominous at Los Poyos Hermanos um, because Gus watches them come in and they sit down and they don't order and they don't say anything and they just sit. And that is it. The end. So... Then Jesse is with uh, Badger and Skinny Pete are over. Jesse has made, you know, some more blue meth and he's giving it to them to try. But to be cautious, they try it and they're like, damn, this is good. And Jesse approaches the idea of selling again. And obviously, because of everything that happened to Com- Combo, Skinny Pete and Badger are like very hesitant. They're like, wait, this isn't just recreational. <laughs> and... Jesse's like, we're going to be smart about it. We're going to stay right here. We're not going to like encroach on any territory. Like this isn't like before. And they seem more open to the idea. And Jesse's like, you got to go get the RV fixed up. Skinny Pete, like you go get all of the supplies on the cook list. And they leave. Oh, with the with the added note about making sure with the RV repairs that make sure it has a buzzer when you put the key in the ignition, which is definitely a callback when Jesse fucked up. Yes. Correct. Um, he's like, whatever that is, get one of those. So then as they're leaving Jesse's house, uh, Hank is staking out the house and Hank recognizes Badger and is like, oh, it's all coming together because that he interviewed him way earlier um, from that drug bust that happened when Badger got arrested. Um, so he's waiting for Jesse to fuck up because he can't just go in and arrest Jesse. Then we've got Walt talking to Junior about the divorce. And he's like, do you want to like talk about anything? And Junior's basically like, well, like, it's not like I have a say in it. So it's just what it is. And I was like, he's such a good character. And that was like the whole conversation. So you just, yeah, it's just like Walt Jr. is existing. And it's unfortunate because he is so blind to everything that's happening but has such strong feelings about everything that's happening oh yeah it's and it's just so accurate of like parents getting a divorce and like them asking their children of like do you want to talk about it and like more often than not it's like why does it matter like i'm gonna deal with it anyways somehow because this is out of my control it's literally out of my control that my parents are getting divorced like what am i supposed to do about it then we're back at los pueblos hermanos and the cousins are sitting at the booth again and the manager 
finally is like, hey, they're back again. And Gus is like, they're not doing anything. Leave them be, like, whatever. But then Gus is obviously, like, getting very annoyed. Again, that's all we get from that. They're back for a second time. Meanwhile, uh, Walt is at his first day of work. And he's in this beautiful new super lab with the coolest fucking assistant in the world. His name is Gale. And I love Gale. And I am such a fan. He is a specialist in x-ray crystallography. And he is a self-identified libertarian. He just impresses Walt off the bat. Like, clearly, this is a dude who knows chemistry. He knows labs. Like, he is the ideal assistant. He's just he's just a fucking ball of sunshine and he matches Walt's energy in the way of like, why is this man cooking meth? Um, And they even make a little joke to that because he's got a insane like filtration system set up for coffee about how to make the perfect cup of coffee and talking about like tannins and temperature and like titration rates and like all this stuff and walt literally is uh like tries a cup of coffee and he's like this is the best tasting coffee i've ever had what are we doing making meth and like that i just i was like that's so good because these two guys are just not who you would at all consider to be making meth we watch as hank is staking out Jesse's house and he is certainly not doing well is what I'll say um he's got a mound of fast food trash next to him he's eating fries that I have no idea how long they had been sitting on that chair next to him for and Marie calls and he's so dismissive of her and that he basically has to like just stake out this house until Jesse can lead him to the RV or do something that like is illegal Marie tries to be helpful because she's like hey not to like impede on your investigation, but remember when Jesse was Walt's pot dealer? Maybe Walt knows something about this RV. So then Hank calls Walt. Obviously, Walt is like hyperventilating. And he's like, no, 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 this, uh, nope, sorry, gotta go. And like hangs up because Walt is now like, oh shit, oh shit. My fingerprints are all over that RV. Like my DNA is all over that RV, all of this. So Walt calls Jesse to try to warn him, despite the fact that they are not cool right now. And then realizes that he's like, oh my God, Jesse's phone could be tapped. So as Jesse's being like, what do you want? Like, hello, Walt's just not speaking, hangs up. Walt calls Saul because you better call Saul. He basically like info dumps everything about Hank and the RV and all of that. And Saul tells Walt to basically get rid of it. So Walt drives to the repair yard and Badger's cousin is working on the RV and Badger's there. He's like, no, no, no. We need to literally get this destroyed. This is the reason why, whatever. So Clovis, Badger's cousin, he's in. He's like, get this the fuck off my property. Like we got to go. Meanwhile, Badger's a fucking moron and calls Jesse who rushes out of the house to drive to the RV, Hank is tailing him, and at the junkyard that the RV has now gotten to, uh, Walt makes the deal with the junkyard owner, assures him, like, hey, there's not going to be a single trace of this thing when we're done with it, all of this. Walt's in the RV doing this very, like, sentimental goodbye to all of the memories that are in the RV, which is a very beautiful, like, pause of the urgency of this moment in the show. There was just this, like deep breath, centering, watching Walt have this moment, which is immediately interrupted by Jesse, who runs in and he's just like pissed, all of this stuff. And who shows up but Hank drives in right behind him a few seconds later. And Walt is like, oh my God, you led him right to the fucking RV. And so they lock all the windows, all the doors, like really quick, whatever. Because Jesse's now up to speed. He said, oh shit, DEA agent. Hank like is like trying to get in. He's like fingering windows to see if they'll pop open. He tries the door, nothing. Then Hank grabs a crowbar after knocking on the door and being like, Jesse Pinkman, you know, you know, you're, you're, you're screwed. Come out basically. Um, So he tries to pry the door open, doesn't work. And then old Joe shows up, savior old Joe, because what does old Joe know? Old Joe knows the fucking law. He knows the law. And he's like, you're on private property. And it looks like you're breaking and entering on private property. Um, And Hank tries to be like, this is a, a, I have probable cause. He's like, that applies to vehicles. This is a 
this is a uh res like something like a residential docile or something. A private domicile. A pro a private domicile, that's right. It was so good. It was so good. Because then Jesse shouts from within the RV as like arguments of like semantics are being had between Hank and old Joe of Jesse being like, this is my own private domicile and I will not be harassed, bitch. Yeah. Because <laughs> he had to add the bitch on in there. Oh, was, and that was prompted by Walt too. That was prompted by Walt to be like, you say this, say this out the doors right now. Because Hank had like peeled duct tape off the doors and revealed bullet holes. And then old Joe was like, because Walt was had Jesse shout, how did you know they were there? without taking the tape off and then old joe was like that's right and uh anything that's that falls under the category of like probable cause has to be visual like you have to be able to visually see it without altering anything built ultimately like it's decided okay this would not be a constitutionally like or like the the residents would be constitutionally protected um due to this like unlawful search so whatever so hank is ultimately like okay I'll get a warrant. So he calls to get a warrant and he does not leave. So Jesse and Walt are still stuck inside this RV. And Jesse's freaking out. Walt's freaking out. Jesse's like, do you know, can you do anything? And Walt's like, yeah, I've got an idea. And he pulls out his phone. And the next thing we know, Hank is receiving a phone call from a female voice that Marie has been in a bad car accident and she's being like airlifted to the hospital. Immediately starts getting like tunnel vision freaks out, gets in his car, peels off, drives away. And it was Saul's secretary who was posing as the Albuquerque police telling him that about Marie being in the accident. And Hank is like, it gets to the, gets to the hospital and we see similar to the reactions that Hank was having when he was experiencing PTSD. Uh, he is having those same reactions right now in the hospital, trying to like get somebody to tell him something about Marie. And while that's happening, real Marie calls him and he's like, you're okay. Or she's like, yeah, I just wanted to know like what you wanted for dinner. Meanwhile, the RV now has started to get ripped apart and get put into the crusher. And Jesse and Walt are like very relieved earlier. We had seen a third scene, but I wanted to talk about all of the, the RV stuff in the middle of that. We have a cut scene of Gus is finally done because now that the cousins are back for another time, he's like, you are scaring customers. Like, what do you want? And they respond. He's and he asks that in Spanish, and they respond in Spanish, saying, "You know." And he and Gus just says, "Sunset." At the end of the episode, we have Gus meeting the cousins in the middle of the desert. It's this beautiful, old school Western sort of cinematography of like these silhouettes as it's sundown and it's like a standoff and it's the cousins and it's Gus and Gus sticks to his guns, which is crazy with these two cousins of like, you cannot go after Walt. You cannot come, come after Walt. Like here's why Gus says Walt might've betrayed Tuco, but somebody else pulled the trigger and the cousins are like Bolsa. Who's the, the, the big, boss said that DEA agents are off limits and Gus is like north of the border is my territory and you have permission the name of the DEA agent is Hank Schrader there's just this kind of like recognition moment and then end of episode and it's like oh shit it is a fun roller coaster of an episode it also feels new it doesn't feel like regurgitated things like it feels like there's always something new going on in these episodes just like it's really great yeah some some fun facts i've got for this episode uh that the tribal police in the beginning his call sign is kdk12 right it's the same call sign for the overlook hotel officer in the shining specifically the movie adaptation that uh, stanley kubrick did the part where hank pulls out the crowbar and it's like sliding it across the RV and stuff like that. That was an idea that Brian Cranston had and gave to Dean Norris to do. I like that. It was like an interesting intimidation tactic, but also like we're seeing Hank in that moment, like unraveling a little bit of like being a law abiding officer of the law, you know? And you're like, oh, this is like signs of corruption. I don't like Hank was giving big. I don't give a fuck energy. And he's like someone who like 
he he's not like the greatest person, but like when it came to his job, he was pretty by the book for a while until El Paso happened. He was he was weird. He bent the law a little bit, but like he would never overtly break it like he was essentially doing with the RV. Well, even the scaling the RV with the older couple playing cards. And then we wrap up this episode of Breaking Bad with episode seven, one minute, written by Thomas Schnauz and directed by Michelle McLaren. And what a crazy... What an episode. This this definitely... I think this was one of my favorite episodes that we've watched so far. I really, really like it. So our teaser here... We went back in time by a lot because we're actually seeing Hector Salamanca, the one who, uh, for a reminder, is the man who is now nonverbal in a wheelchair who dings a bell every time to say yes or no. And two young boys who are twins, which who could they possibly be but our cousins? They're playing. They're like fighting over a toy. And Hector's on the phone with Somebody we do not know, he's talking down about somebody called the chicken man on this phone call and says that like he's basically nothing but a figurehead. He thinks he has power, but really like we're using him, things like that. But we don't know who's on the other end of this phone. We can make assumptions, but we don't we don't actually know. At the end of that phone call, one of the brothers complains that uh, the other one, Marco, and so I learned their names. It's Marco, because we learned that one. And uh, Leonel, it's spelled L-E-O-N-E-L, but I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce it. But anyway, Marco broke the toy. The other one is saying that he uh, was really upset, and he tells he tells his uncle Hector that he wishes his brother was dead. And Hector calls Marco over to him to get him a beer, and he says... He pulls one out. He's like, no, I want a cold one. So he, Marco puts that one back and he goes to reach further into the ice bucket uh, the, that's like half melted. It's basically a pool of icy water now. And Hector dunks his head into the icy water and is fully drowning this, what, like maybe 10 year old child. Lionel's like trying to stop Hector, but he's a kid he's like throwing punches he's doing all these things he can't get him to stop and Hector is just like isn't this what you want this is what you said you wanted he's like try to stop me get me to stop and like finally he slaps Hector across the face and Hector stops and the two brothers like check in on each other and as Hector stands up he tells them family is all and he walks away and so that leads us into the now fully grown cousins as they are lighting candles to the saint of death and instead of there being a poorly drawn heisenberg photo there is now a photo of hank schrader it it was a crazy start to the episode man like dealing with children in that way to teach a lesson so dark of a lesson you really understand like this is who the salamancas are cool this is why they're crazy yeah, it's all Hector. So we don't stop there. Our actual episode starts and Hank goes to Jesse's house in a blind rage and he is furious that he was successfully tricked into believing that Marie was in the hospital, follows Jesse into his house, uppercuts him and has him on the floor and starts punching him. And Jesse is now completely unconscious. Hank regains himself and realizes that he has officially fucked up and he stands up he calls like 911 basically um gets an ambulance for jesse and jesse is being taken away as uh hank's boss uh murkert is coming over to hank and he's like you should call a lawyer we know like hank's fucked everything is finally caught up with hank Jesse's in the hospital and A plus the makeup team, man. They they really did a phenomenal job uh with his prosthetics on his face and everything. 
So Saul's talking to Jesse and takes like a photo of him. And he's like, this is your get out of jail free card. Um, They're not going to want to come anywhere near you for fear of, you know, this getting out into the public eye. And Walt shows up basically is like, what do you plan to do next? And Jesse has this monologue about how he's going to basically make Hank's life a living hell until Hank kills himself to get the idea of Jesse out of his head. It was so disturbing, that monologue, to see that that's where Jesse is now. And furthermore, Jesse plans on uh, cooking because he now has a get out of jail free card. And Saul's like, okay, I might have like overestimated the power of this, you know, photo for you. Like, don't don't be crazy. I really can't advise that that's the best idea. Like, you're you're free to start over to do whatever you want. He's like, no, no you and he points at walt and he's like you're my get out of jail free card he's like if i who who cares if i get caught cooking because i will turn over the great heisenberg and get myself a deal walt genuinely seemed more hurt and less worried and even so he tells saul like outside he's uh outside the hospital room he's like jesse will come around and saul's like were we in the same room? Like, like, what, what are you talking about? And Saul warns that they will discuss options, quote unquote, for dealing with Jesse if he doesn't come around. And Walt's like, what do you mean? And Saul just kind of gives this look and walks away. And it clearly means like getting Jesse removed from living. Yeah, it's crazy seeing this super dark, monstrous Jesse it's also understandable. Like this is like the the countless times at this point that Jesse has had to deal with so much pain because of Walt. And this time he's done. Because this time it was someone close to Walt who is probably no longer a DEA agent that was on their tail to arrest them. And Jesse is always at the whim of whatever outburst of violence or pain and suffering that has to be dealt jesse gets it period walt barely has anything to touch on in comparison to what jesse has had to deal with up to this point it's a big yeah oh okay so we've got hank giving a statement uh at the dea field office about what happened at the junkyard but then Right before he finishes his account about when he actually gets to Jesse's house, he invokes the Fifth Amendment by uh, guidance of his lawyer. And that is when they f- they find out that Jesse plans on filing charges. And they take photographs of Hank's bruised knuckles for the record, which is like a very demeaning, humbling, kind of like, oh shit moment, you can tell. And after leaving the office, Hank meets Marie and they're in the elevator. And as soon as the doors close... Hank is turning into her. She's holding him and he is sobbing on the ride down. And right when the elevator goes to open back up, we are taken out of the elevator as an audience member on the inside. And we are now on the outside of the elevator on the garage floor. And as it opens up, they are standing exactly as they were when they first got on the elevator, composed a foot apart. No one's crying. Um, And I really loved that little moment. Um, I felt like that was so beautifully directed to know that, we just saw Hank's break. We just like he had his mental breakdown and now he's having his actual emotional, like, oh my God, I like what's happening. And we also have Marie asking Skylar to ask Walt to see if Jesse would be interested in not pressing charges. And so Skylar shows up to Walt's new apartment. The first thing she asks is like, can this get back to you at all? And Walt beautifully lies, beautifully lies. He's like, how could it possibly come back to me? Like, that's crazy. And then she brings up like, can you get him to not press charges? And Walt says, we don't have a relationship. We're not friends. Skylar doesn't really believe him, but he just stands by that. And then Walt goes back to the super lab 
they go to like make meth, him and Gail. They like did a bunch of, uh, or Gail did like a, a bunch of like all the preliminary stuff for the, for, to cook for the day. So really they just have to cook. They don't have to do like any of the prep because Dale's already done, Gail has already done all of the prep. And he even jokes and he's like, this might be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Uh, Cause he's, again, he's just some dude. Like he's, he's literally, he could, ab- him and Walt should be best friends. But like we have this Walt right now who is just like so hurt. Like, this is the first time in a while we've seen Walt, like, this hurt because of Jesse. Walt truly understands how much Jesse absolutely hates him. And so Walt then takes it out on Gail. Which is not great, but not quite yet. Because first we see the arms deal go down. So the cousins meet this hillbilly arms dealer trying to show them like whatever guns ammo all of that kind of stuff that's in the back and uh he gives this like auction style speed like um lowdown about what all he's got and there and he points out that he's got hollow point bullets he tosses one to one of the guys one of the cousins he's like that one's for free <laughs> and then they're like we're interested in bulletproof vests he's like oh yeah i got those and they're like do they work He's like, yeah, I never, I never leave without it. And literally immediately one of them pulls out a gun and just shoots him in the chest. And he's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You crazy, like son of a bitch. You just broke my rib, whatever. But they go up to him and they pull out the bullet and it, it fully stopped the bullet. Like he didn't get shot. And so they, one of them picks up the bullet or the bulletproof vests while the other one just like counts out some hundred dollar bills and tosses them down. But it was noted that the one guy who got tossed the hollow point bullet, the one cousin, he put it in his coat jacket pocket. So he did take the free hollow point bullet with him. Then we get Walt causing the intentional rift with Gail when we get back to the lab. Everything seemed to be going well, but Walt was just in a horrible mood. And ultimately, it led to Walt blowing up because Gail set the incorrect temperature for one of the batches. And Gail's like, but I wrote it down. You said 75. And Walt was like, well, you wrote it down wrong. It's 85. It's always been 85, not 75, not 95, 85. And like, he's like, dump it. We have a bunch of useless sludge now, basically. That was hard to watch because Gail's a good guy, which is crazy. He's cooking 2,000 pounds of meth a week, but he is a, he is a, like, he's, he was just so sweet and, uh, and like, I don't know. He was just a dude. He was just some guy. And Walt's out here being a dick. Later, Walt calls who we presume is Gus and is like, yeah, the new lab assistant isn't working out. I know like how you're going to feel about this, but like the first choice really is Jesse. And after a little convincing, Gus kind of gives the okay for Jesse to be Walt's assistant. And so Walt visits Jesse in the hospital, pitches like this whole thing and Jesse rejects it. And he's like, don't you get it? Like, I'm not rejecting the money, which would be split Walt said 50 50 because they would be partners again. And he's like, I'm not rejecting $1.5 million. Like, I'm rejecting you. My life has been horrible ever since you got involved. I have lost everything I've ever had, let alone cared about. And like, I'm done. He, he was like, and plus, you said that I have shitty meth. And he was like, he said, You're, you said I'm a bad cook. And meanwhile, Jesse's having this for the second time in this episode, a really beautiful emotional monologue delivery. That's just painful to like watch. The first one was him being a monster. And this one is seeing like the hurt kid inside of Jesse. And Walt just stays silent and listens to the whole thing. And right before he walks out the door, he's like, your meth is just as good as mine. And you're a really good cook. And Walt goes back to his apartment. And when he's there, he gets a call from Jesse agreeing to be partners again, which I felt like was very, very quick change because this that scene had just happened but i also got it because that's all jesse wanted to hear that's all that's all that's all he wanted that's all he wanted and walt walked out right after saying it so what was jesse gonna do it's very reflective in that like just in the previous episode or i mean a couple episodes or first episode we talked about today gus told walt what he wanted to hear and confirmed things for walt and now walt has done it for jesse this time, I think this time, though, Walt actually seems sincere. He did. I agree. 
He's not trying to manipulate. He he truly just wants this partnership with Jesse again because they had this understanding with each other. Realizes more now than ever, even though he's like been yo-yoing this whole time about how important Jesse is in his life since he's gone down this criminal path of how committed Jesse has always been to Walt and understanding of Walt's choices from the beginning. Because it's like, this is still the same Jesse who promised Walt that if he died too soon, he would make sure his family still got the money. And I still believe that Jesse is still in there. Absolutely. Even through all these new monstrous traits that he has. And what I reminded myself, which I think is crazy, is like Jesse still doesn't know that Walt is responsible for his girlfriend's death. Yeah, so Walt has that guilt still lingering around. So in the middle of 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 that, we did get a conversation between Hank and Marie, basically that Marie was like, you should lie. Say that Jesse tried to attack you, like do something. And Hank has has a moment where we can see that he is working through stuff and he is realizing how bad he's fucking up. And I actually have a lot of respect for Hank in this story arc because he's not trying to get himself out of anything. He is doing the, the he is doing the honorable thing and he is being honest. When she tells him a lie, Hank's response is that he's supposed to be better than that. He finally talks to his fucking wife that he has been struggling since he shot Tuco he says he thinks he's done as a cop. And I think that that is a very profound scene for Hank, whose entire identity is working for the DEA. At the DEA, we're back in the office and we're finally getting um, everything on statement and Hank fully admits to the assault on Jesse. He uh, refuses to like change his statement. So they're like, are you sure? He's like, yes. Uh, this is what I want on record. And Merker is like, effective immediately due to this, I need your gun and your badge. And Hank hands it over. No, you know, no questioning, no putting up a fight. He just very politely slides it over. And as Hank goes to leave, Merker catches up with him and he's like, I don't want to get your hopes up, but it is coming down through the pipeline that Jesse Pinkman's not change, not pressing charges. And uh, Hank's like, why? And Merker is like, you must have a guardian angel. In that moment, I was like, oh, something so bad is about to happen. Because I was like, this is the type of show where when a statement like that is made, someone is about to get fucked up. Like, I just know, I just know everything about this was set up in a way where I was like, you in a very in a very good way i was like you as a creative team have taught me what to expect from this show and i know that things are not going to go well but what is still a like question mark which is why it's not like predictable is i still have no idea of knowing what when who like i just know that something bad is happening Hank is out getting gifts. So after all of this is finally done, he's getting gifts for Marie, which I'm like, okay, another sign things are about to go horribly because he's trying to be a better husband again. And I was like, and when is the perfect time to kill somebody off when they're trying to have their redemption arc? Like that is like prime fucking time. And he's got like flowers and like a little gift. I think he even had balloons. He gets into his car and he has a phone call and there's this, you know, electronically whatever distorted voice that's like two men are on their way to kill you. They're approaching your car. You have one minute. Hence our episode title, One Minute. Hank, you can tell he's panicking, but he's trying to be like, everything's fine. This is fine. Like, this is a prank, whatever. He calls Gomez and he's like, this is a funny prank bud like you can't fool me that easily like give me a call back hangs up goes to pat for his gun obviously doesn't have it because he just turned it in to Merkert. as he's like and we keep getting these flashes to the clock that say like 307 and we just keep getting flashes this clock at 307 whatever and as that's happening he's like he's like looking around and he's just seeing like all these normal people but like he's getting increasingly more and more worked up and then 308 hits and all of a sudden he sees the cousins and they're like 
in front of him a couple cars, but then they split ways. But he's still not moving the car. Like he's he's frozen in a way. And next thing we know, uh, one of the cousins is behind the car, gun raised, and starts shooting through the rear rear window. And Hank puts the car in reverse and slams him, basically like effectively squishing him in between his car and whatever car was parked as that is uh happening that guy's gun like flies into the car basically and then hank realizes okay i should try to get that but then the other cousin starts shooting through the driver's side window at hank and hank gets hit twice i think but as uh that cousin i think it was marco goes in uh like to look for hank hank's no longer in the car but he puts the car into into a different gear so that Lionel can like be released but he's clearly dead like he he falls to the ground he has been squished and he tells marco in spanish finish him so marco starts looking for hank and it's kind of not hard to find where hank went because hank's like dripping blood But um, Hank does manage to get behind Marco and he fires a few times. However, Marco is wearing the bulletproof vest. And so Marco shoots Hank twice in the chest and Hank drops. He is holding the gun over Hank's head to shoot him. And then he says, too easy. And he goes off to get that iconic axe. Meanwhile, Hank sees what has dropped out the hollow point bullet that was given to them as a the cousins as a test sample and he's trying to load it into Lionel's gun because he has no more bullets in there and oh my god it was like the timing of this was so stressful because it was of course of course it was built this way but it was like he can't get the fucking bullet into the gun uh and like time is running out because marco's approaching with the axe and like at the literal last second Hank is able to get the bullet into the gun and shoots Marco in the head. And we see the back of Marco's head literally explode off, which is what a hollow point bullet does. And the axe falls and like sticks uh, blade into the pavement um, right next to Hank. And our final shot is Hank, Lionel, Marco, and this poor innocent guy who got shot by marco because he scared marco by just saying like something like oh my god and then he literally just got fucking murdered because marco was trigger happy we see the four of them just on the ground and we have no idea i mean we can infer that marco's definitely dead but we we don't super know if Lionel or hank are actually dead or not as the camera zooms out and that's our cliffhanger for this week i'm sorry adam i left you on a cliffhanger of intensity but it was but but you you fragmented these episodes out beautifully because it was like its own little movie so i do my best here i do my best yeah it's yeah it is crazy it's like no scoring in the sequence either until like the end of it right like it's just action and just like diegetic sound of like the bullets and the crashing and the running and the it's oh, so well crafted and you just feel emotionally in there for the whole ride. So, of course, like this episode is titled One Minute. So there's like tons of connections to like what that means. And like, for example, uh, when Walt and Jesse are talking on the phone after Walt offered in person to be partners again, that phone call lasts a minute because we see on Jesse's phone that a minute passed from when he called Walt to join him as a partner again to when he hung up the phone as well as post Hank's phone call as we have already pointed out is the 307 to 308 but then 308 is a special number because that's the number address of Walt's house oh okay you know it's this metaphorical implication that Walt is connected to everything in this series I mean he is. Like, Walt got Tuco killed because Hank was trying to find Walt. I am. Um, I, I, we're also very much sticking to this theme of everybody who knows Walt's identity as Heisenberg and vice versa dies. Even the cousins. Well, at least one of the cousins. I will, I'm assuming I will find out shortly whether it was both or not. And then f- some fun trivia. 
about that ambush, filming that ambush sequence of Hank with the cousins. That took two days to film in that parking lot. And it was shot in winter in New Mexico. Oh, wow. So it was freezing cold to lay on the ground. And like Dean Norris talks about like how cold it was to like constantly have to lay on the ground and stuff like that. Man, they do. They make things look so good in post, don't they? They really do. (laughs) Holy crap. But yeah, that I think that'll do it for this episode of Breaking Bad. I mean, I'm excited. I mean, we're about halfway through this season now with that, I believe. I think so. Yeah. Well, next up, what do we've got, Chandler? Well, you know, it's it's February, right? Valentine's is close, I guess. Um, Say it out loud. <laughs> uh, I had the the idea whether or not it's the smartest of ideas uh, or not. Um, I was like, yo, Adam, you want to just keep watching Twilight just to like pound through it because people are going to ask about it anyways let's just do a double feature of twilight it kind of fits the romance rom-com feel of things <laughs> you know so yeah we're gonna go for twilight new moon and eclipse i am pumped let's do it it'll it'll be a time it'll be a time i can't wait it's gonna be epic anyways in the meantime Feel free to like, subscribe, follow us if you enjoy what we're talking about. If you think other people would enjoy listening to us, you know, spread the word. Word of mouth is probably the best way for people to know about us. So please feel free. Uh, and if you got uh, uh, recommendations, ideas, and or want us to talk about other things more, feel free to give us comments. Let us know. We're all ears all the time. All the time. Well, I've been Chandler. I've been Adam. Thanks for listening to Resonant Reels. See ya. See ya.